Welcome to episode 140 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, joined as always by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? Better this week, right? Woo! <laughs> yeah, you could say that. That was a... Ooh, that was a close one. That was a close one, Sean. We dodged a bullet. Oh, we man. Bullet. It, uh, we, Sony, someone dodged a bullet. Anyway, um, so yes, of course, you've heard the news by now that the sharing situation between Disney slash Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures as it relates to Spider-Man, it's back on. Tom Holland is not effing leaving, as he said via Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street on Instagram. So Spider-Man... Even though uh, negotiations broke down about an extension of the sharing agreement, uh, those broke down, or we found out about it a little over a month ago. And then on Friday morning, first thing Friday morning, on uh, September 27th, after an agreement was made late Thursday night on September 26th, the world found out that Spider-Man is going to be staying in the MCU. He's not back in the MCU because he never technically left. Uh, but he is actually staying. So, of course, we're going to talk about that on this episode. We are also going to talk about Kevin Feige developing a Star Wars movie and maybe get into a little bit of what that might mean for the future of Marvel Studios, what it might mean for the future of Lucasfilm. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that. I know we also have some news about Ghost Rider not going forward at Hulu. Uh, we will be addressing that as well as the current state of Marvel television, which is not great right now. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in our Patreon credit scene. Uh, but before we get to any of this stuff, we have an update that you will definitely want to hear because I know we're all feeling a lot better about Spider-Man Far From Home this week compared to... I mean, we liked the movie anyway, but Spider-Man Far From Home uh, was... Uh, it was I, I was wondering if it might be difficult to watch when the movie became available for home release because I thought, figured it would just make me oh, wow. sad to watch this movie knowing that Spider-Man's time in the MCU was going to end with that film. But now that we don't have that issue to worry about, we can watch Spider-Man Far From Home uh, knowing that we are going to get to find out the Marvel Studios version, we will see the Marvel Studios version of what happens next after that awesome mid credit scene. So speaking of Spider-Man Far From Home and the home release of Spider-Man Far From Home, as you know, the digital uh, release hit was already a couple of weeks ago, but now, or at least on Tuesday, October 1st, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home becomes available on physical 4K and Blu-ray disc. And this Friday, October 4th at 6 p.m., there is going to be a Voodoo viewing party. Now, we've been able to participate in these before. Most recently, we did one a couple of months ago for Avengers Endgame, and it was a lot of fun. And so what happens with uh, these viewing parties is everybody gets together via the Internet. Everybody puts on the movie. We started at 6 p.m. Pacific time. We're all watching the movie together. We're all there just part of, in, enjoying this huge social media event. And there's there's trivia questions, there's prizes being given away, and just like we did for Avengers Endgame a couple of months ago, uh, where we gave out 10 free digital 4K copies uh, via Vudu, uh, we are doing the same thing for Spider-Man Far From Home. So if you want to participate in this viewing party, and you're looking for a copy of Spider-Man Far From Home, or you just want a digital 4K copy of Spider-Man Far From Home, we're going to be giving away 10 copies, uh, again, via our social media channels. So you want to make sure you're following us in the three main spots that you can. 
which is on Twitter, at Marvel Newscast, on Instagram, at Marvel Studios News, and then our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Marvel Studios News. So stay tuned for updates there. Uh, but you're also going to want to make sure that you are following the at Voodoo Fans Twitter account, and you're using the hashtag Voodoo Viewing Party uh, as, we're ta- as we're all enjoying this event. Uh, the reason you want to do that is because there's going to be questions, and if you have correct answers to questions or you're just participating in this event, you might be able to win some prizes. So the prizes being given away this week include a 65-inch 4K Sony TV. There's also going to be a framed autographed poster that's been signed by Tom Holland, Zendaya, Samuel L. Jackson, Jake Gyllenhaal, Jacob Batalon, Kevin Feige, John Watts, and Eric Carroll. There's also going to be a PlayStation that will be given away and even more prizes that Voodoo is going to be handing out during this uh, during this Voodoo viewing party. And I should also mention, I mean, obviously you can buy a copy of uh, Spider-Man Far From Home in 4K UHD on Voodoo right now. Uh, but also come Friday if you haven't purchased the movie, uh, but we will be in the rental window, so you can actually rent the movie for Friday's viewing party if you want to do that instead. So we will be participating. I will be around the entire time via our at Marvel Newscast Twitter account, participating and, and having fun with all of this. Paul is going to be checking in. He won't be able to stay for the whole thing. Uh, but he will be there uh, a little bit uh, for for a little bit on Friday to share his thoughts on Spider-Man Far From Home. And what we will also be doing, and we did this last time during the Voodoo viewing party for Avengers Endgame, is we will all and the, at the same time that everybody is getting together and live tweeting Spider-Man Far From Home, we will be talking uh, live via voice chat. Or Paul might be able to check in for that. I will be there the whole time. Uh, starting, again, for this Friday, October 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific time uh, via our Patreon community and, and via our, our, our Patreon tiers. Uh, starting at $3 and up, every one of our patrons has access to our Patreon-exclusive Discord. Uh, and so on that Discord, we do have, voice, we do have a voice chat uh, channel when we do watch parties. And we will be doing one to coincide with this Voodoo viewing party this Friday, October 4th, starting at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're on our Patreon and on our Discord, uh, you can actually chat with myself uh, via voice chat, as well as some of the other great uh, community members that we have. We really have a great group on our Discord from the Marvel Studios News Patreon, uh, whether it's whether it's text chat or voice chat. We've always got a lot of great uh, conversations going on there, yes. and we will certainly have uh, another great one during this Voodoo viewing party and uh, the watch party that we will have on our Discord at the same time. So that's this Friday, October 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So remember, uh, follow us on our, all of our social handles. So Marvel Studios News on Facebook and Instagram, at Marvel Newscast on Twitter. But also, to make sure you're eligible to win those prizes, make sure you're following at Voodoo Fans on Twitter and using yeah, using that hashtag Voodoo Viewing Party. And as I always like to remind people, uh, and I did this for Avengers Endgame, uh, this is not any copy that's been handed to me by anybody else. Uh, I just say that because I just say this because it's true. I watch my Marvel movies via Voodoo. Because that is how I get to watch Marvel movies with Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos. That kind of stuff is not available on the disc. Uh, but if you have a Dolby Vision capable television, then you can use. Because uh, and I have a Dolby Vision uh, capable television with Roku uh, that I use to watch use the Voodoo app, and that actually allows me to watch Marvel movies not just in 4K, but with Dolby Vision, uh, which is absolutely my preferred way of seeing those films. So I certainly recommend watching Spider-Man: Far From Home. Uh, on Vudu, whether you are you're using a digital redemption code from the physical copy you purchased, or you're buying a digital copy, or you're getting one, or you're winning a free digital copy from us over here at Marvel Studios News. So, with all of that taken care of, Paul, 
Let's go ahead and let's talk about the news that we really didn't expect. I mean, we, our, our very last episode, we were talking mm-hmm. about this, and you know, I, I wasn't ruling it out, but I, I was honest. I mean, I just said like, I wasn't feeling that hopeful about Spider-Man Three. I, I figured at some point, I think the Spider-Man rights, one way or another, find their way back to Disney and Marvel Studios, either because Sony's bought or whatever. But you know, I, I felt like it was going to be a struggle for anything to happen in time for Spider-Man 3, especially with people like Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige saying at D23, you know, making it sound like this was all over and everybody was moving on, and Sony seemed to be doing the same thing with what their executives were saying. So I was shocked when I saw this news Friday morning. I'm wondering what your instant reaction was. You and I, fortunately, were are both normally up, at, fortunately or unfortunately, are both yeah. normally up <laughs> when stuff like this breaks first thing in the morning. And, although a lot of people were because it's, it's a Friday and people were going to work. But anyway, I uh, I was just scrolling through my Twitter feed and I just happened to refresh it on my phone right as Variety sent out their tweet. And when it happened, like when I saw it, at first I, I did not believe my own eyes. I thought, Wait, let, is this, let me make sure. Is this really the Variety Twitter account? Because there are fake Twitter accounts for the trades that yep. people have made that are like one letter off or whatever, and then somebody else retweets it, and that's how it pops into my feed. And so I'm like, wait, let me make sure. This is an actual Variety tweet from at Variety on Twitter. Okay, that's real. Uh, and then I'm also like, what day is it today? Because like, I totally forgot what day. It was like, is today April 1st? No, it's September 27th. Okay, I'm fine. Like I was triple and quadruple checking this news uh, because it was such a shock, and I just thought like it's... It's exactly what I want to hear. It's exactly the news I want to read right now. But I, I can't even believe uh, I can't even believe that it's real. Yeah, there was one of those things where I was scrolling through Twitter and it just kind of I saw a variety thing too, and I immediately kind of thought, "Wait a second, this is a a joke account." I thought the same thing, and when I kept reading through and I or I clicked on it, I'm like, "All right, I'm going to click on it, and then I'm going to get Rick Roll. You know, I'm going to give you one, and and it's going to come up, and I'm I'm going to go." <laughs> All right, that's fine. That's whatever. But when it went straight to Variety.com and there was a whole thing and I saw a bunch of annoying ads start popping up and I see Kevin Feige talking about how excited he is to have Spider-Man back, Mm -hmm. I I just remember – I was in total shock. I think I went straight to my uh, text messages and I texted you just, wow. Yep. And I I just – I didn't know what else to say. I couldn't believe it. And we'll yeah, get into the details. I, I got your text as I was furiously like just typing up uh, typing up my article. And I was getting texts from other people about other things. And I was like, I cannot respond right now. I'm very sorry. <laughs> and so like, I was just, you know, as, as quickly as I could, you know, reading through the news and, and updating the article on MarvelStudiosNews.com. And although the first thing I did was share the news and, and like at everyone on our discord to like notify everybody who was there like okay guess what like spider-man's back we're in, like i said not back spider-man's not leaving uh and so um you know trying to share the, this happy news and then also put it out there on the website and trying to keep up with everything and yeah i mean it was just it, it was a stunning it really was a stunning development I, I know there were a lot of people and and, and uh john Beerley. it's funny uh, we're going to talk about the kevin feige uh star wars news i i, I I credit John Beerley for at least putting this in the universe. I know nothing, it probably had nothing to do with it, or it definitely had nothing to do with it. But uh, John and I recorded a show last week uh, for the Star Wars podcast that we have called Fandalorians, and we were talking about the Kevin Feige news because obviously it's relevant to Star Wars. He's developing a Star Wars movie. And after our conversation that we recorded on the podcast, uh, we, were, we were chatting off air, as Paul knows, and is what we all do, 
Uh, so yeah. we have a lot of the greatest, we have a lot of the best podcasts we ever do that we don't record. So John, yep. and, John and I were just, uh, you know, chatting and, and we were talking about the Spider-Man situation. I don't know how we got on the subject, but I, I, not that I ever need a reason to talk about anything Marvel, but, uh, we were talking about it and I was, I was going through it and, and, and talking about, um, the situation and how, like, in looking at everybody's perspective, Sony's perspective, Disney's perspective, the more I looked at it, the harder it became for me to really see them uh, coming together, coming back together on this thing in time for Spider-Man 3. And John just said, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but he just had that hope. He just said, you know, I don't know what it is, but I, I just think something's going to work out. Now, he didn't say something's going to work out this Friday, but he believed, <laughs> he may not have known how soon it was going to happen, but nonetheless, John Beerley believed, and uh, and I know some of you out there as well, you believed and you, and you never lost hope. It wasn't so much about losing hope, it was just more of not wanting to get my hopes up, so I wouldn't be uh, disappointed if this, uh, if this never came to fruition. But it really is exciting news. I, I think the right thing has happened here, and there are a lot of things... Uh, a lot of things to go over, and we are going to address Kevin Feige's quote and talking about crossing over between cinematic universes. We are going to get to that stuff in our conversation, but I want to start with the deal itself uh, because I I've seen some reactions, including yours, Paul, uh, saying what worried you about this deal was that it was for one film. And uh, the reason I don't feel that's a cause for concern is because that's pretty much all it's ever been for with these Spider-Man deals. So this latest version of the deal, uh, we'll talk about the financial terms in, in a second, but as far as what's in this deal. So uh, Marvel Studios will once again work with Sony and, and, produ and Kevin Feige will be there producing with Amy Pascal uh, a Spider-Man solo film. And this will be the third film, of course, in the series that started with Spider-Man Homecoming back in 2017. And this film will come out on July 16th, 2021. There will also be another Marvel Studios film slash MCU film that will be distributed by Disney uh, that in which Spider-Man will appear. We don't know what film that is or when it's going to be out. We just know that that is going to happen. So it is a short-term one-for-one kind of deal where Sony gets one and Disney slash Marvel Studios get one, but that's not that. That's actually pretty typical. Remember the original Spider-Man sharing deal only pertained to one solo film, which was Spider-Man Homecoming, and then one uh, for Sony, and then one uh, Marvel Studios team-up film for uh, for Disney, and that was Captain America Civil War. It was actually an extension, the first extension of this deal that covered, that was actually a one-for-two deal, although really more for like one and a quarter, because Spider-Man's not in Avengers Endgame that much, but that deal uh, was Spider-Man Far From Home for Sony, and then Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame for Disney. Uh, so this latest, uh, this latest iteration of the deal, this latest extension, is now one-for-one. Uh, what is different this time, though, are the financial terms. So previously, Disney was getting 5% of the first dollar gross on these Spider-Man solo films. That is not going to be the case on this next one. So Disney is going to be getting, uh, well, Disney is going to be co-financing this next Spider-Man film with Sony. It's not going to be 50%, uh, like we've seen reported previously of what Disney wanted, uh, but there were also reports that what Disney wanted was 30%. Uh, it's not going to be 30 either. Disney will be putting up 25% of the costs for this third Spider-Man film, and then, of course, sharing in 25% uh, of the profits from this Spider-Man film. So the structure of this deal 
is uh, while it's not the the numbers that we've previously heard for Disney, uh, the overall structure of it in terms of co-financing and profit sharing uh, and having a, a significant chunk, uh, you know, a significant a significant stake within the Spider-Man solo franchise, uh, Disney got what it wanted there, even if it didn't get all of what they wanted there. Uh, so it definitely look it looks to me like Sony moved closer to what Disney was looking for as opposed to you know Disney moving to Sony. Although if what Disney wanted was fifty uh, percent, then I guess you could say twenty five percent is is in the middle. Although I guess if you factor in the five percent, anyway, forget about the math for a second. So, uh, but if if Disney only wanted thirty percent and now they're getting twenty five, that's not really much of a loss for Disney. Uh, I, I do think Disney deserves this. They're doing more than twenty five percent of the work, and, and I think they have more than twenty five percent. They can. I think they account for more than twenty five percent of the success of the Spider Man solo films at this point. So I think this is a a, a fair deal for Sony, uh, a fair deal for Disney, because even though. Uh, they probably deserve more than 25%. There's only so much that Sony's going to be able to afford to pay. And also at the same time, they are able to now use Spider-Man in another uh, crossover film for the MCU. So it, it, de- it definitely looks like, I don't know what happened. I don't know why everybody's minds changed. I have some theories on that. Uh, but before I get into all that stuff, Paul, uh, what do you think of the the new terms of this deal? I think the new terms <clears throat> makes a lot of sense, right? I, there's so much that there's only so much that Disney and Sony can agree on, and and the money can only sh- can go so far, and it because it's, it's a joint adventure, and it's 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 a very di- this will never happen again, probably in the history of cinema, more than likely, and it's such a unique situation that it it's really hard to to kind of see the 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 kind of the, the pull and everything and the uh, what's fair. Cause I think you can take either side to be honest. I don't think one side is wrong necessarily. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always been pro Disney because Sony doesn't make good <laughs> movies. Yeah. So that's the reason why I've been pro Disney because Disney knows, you know, at least with Mar- or Kevin Feige knows how to make good, a good Spider-Man movie, a good superhero movie, whereas Sony has not exactly done that very well or just make great movies in general. It's, you know, they've, they've been better. They've been better recently. I've enjoyed some of their things recently, but for the most part, it's not really. So that's where I kind of, I fall in line with is I'm glad they were able to sit down and figure out everything and say, you know what? It makes better sense for, for us as Sony to get on the fans good side and say, let's get a deal. Let's, you know, let's figure out a money situation that we can still bag most Mm -hmm. of the, of the gross of this movie. And you can get, you know, and you can have your cake and have a little bit extra because you guys are making it. You guys are doing all the heavy lifting. Yes, we are. We, we just have to get sandwiches every day. That's fine. We can do that. (laughs) As long as you you guys will be, we'll be getting the, we'll take care of the food cost. You guys do everything else and we'll just, and we'll take credit. That's fine. I think that there is, a lot to be said for the fact. Here's the thing: give Sony a lot of credit. They, they, they made the deal. They very. We all thought they were going to be dumb. Let's right. let's be real. We all thought they were going to be dumb and say, "No, we got this in the bag. We got Venom two coming. We got Morbius. Yep. We got you know. We don't need Marvel. They they are smarter than we realize. And I think we got to give Sony some credit on this one. I don't know who we have to give credit to. I wish I did. No, to be honest, so I could, you know, we could praise that person. If anyone, if Sony's listening, leak that info. (laughs) Well, Sony, you know, Sony may have listened to our last episode because uh, what what I think this does, or or maybe they they read MarvelStudiosNews.com, I don't know. But, you know, I threw out there when this stuff, you know, broke over a month ago, like, well, if... 
if thirty, if fifty percent or even thirty percent doesn't make sense for Sony, then do uh, do twenty five or at least twenty. And of course, they ended up agreeing at twenty five. Um, and I and I also said, uh, you know, I, I said last on our last episode, and and I've, you know, I don't know if I, I wrote this in the article or not, but I know I said it in the, in the last episode. Like, it makes sense for Sony, you know. And I said I wish they had done this, and now they have one more short term extension because the idea for Sony is uh you know of, of moving spider-man out on his own is like well we we have the sumc we have sony's universe of marvel characters venom was a hit we're making a sequel we've got morbius uh that's also already been shot and now they're going to be putting that movie out next summer but as i've said uh, and and the reason why i think sony needed to exercise caution before going with the nuclear option of, of not working with and just completely leaving Disney and Marvel Studios as it relates to Spider-Man is because they don't know if the SUMC is viable long-term. They don't know, was Venom a fluke or is that going to be a long-term franchise for them? And even if it is, one hit franchise or even two, if you factor in uh, a Spider-Man solo franchise that would be part of it, that's still not a universe. So if Morbius flops and you don't have any other movies that are about to come out, besides Venom uh, or a Venom sequel, you don't know what you have in terms of a universe. So by the time this third Spider-Man film comes out in July of 2021, Sony will have an answer. They will know how Morbius performed. They will know how Venom 2 performed. So is that going to be a franchise that keeps going for them, or is it already going to start to show diminishing returns on the second film and, and point to, uh, you know, and, and add questions in terms of its long-term viability now Sony will have those answers because if they have this short-term deal, they don't have to worry about it for the next year or so. Uh, but as Spider-Man 3 approaches, that's when they'll have to figure out, should we do another extension? And they'll have, all the, they'll have way more information that they actually need to make a proper informed decision on this matter. Uh, they will know a lot more by the time it would come up to either extend this deal again or say, thanks but no thanks, Disney and Marvel Studios, uh, we don't need to cut you in on 25% of the Spider-Man movies anymore because we have our own universe and it's working now and we're going to go ahead and we're going to move Spider-Man over there. Um, or if the SUMC does not work and they already see it flaming out as it's only just getting started, well, then Sony can say, uh, hey, Disney and Marvel, uh, let's keep this thing rolling, shall we? <laughs> like that, It's that simple for Sony. This short ter- This is a short-term deal. Uh, as these have all been, uh, but in this particular case, uh, what's different about this time is, is Sony having this potential universe that's emerging and, and needing to have questions answered about that and now having the time to actually get those answers. And, and so I do think this really and truly is in the best interest of, of Sony Pictures. And at the same time, which is why I didn't fault them, for, I don't fault them for not wanting to give up a huge chunk of their best franchise, but they also need to make sure that this universe that they have is, is actually going to work. Uh, on the Disney side of it, as I've said before, I, I'd never bought into the arguments that Disney was being greedy, Whether they, even if they wanted 50%, and I don't know that that number was true, but even if they wanted 50 I didn't consider that greedy because they, they were doing at least 50% of the work. So I, I never mm. thought that it was greedy for them to want 50% of the profits, especially if they were willing to put up 50% of the costs to make the movie. So I obviously think that 25% is a, very, uh, is a fair deal uh, for Sony. And it's also, I think, a fair deal for Disney because they are getting to use Spider-Man in another film. Uh, so mm. I, it's, does Disney deserve more than 25%? Probably. 
Uh, but at the same time, if they're willing to take 25 and, and it makes sense for them, then uh, then I certainly get it. But I know why. But of course, they needed to get something, not only because of the amount of work that they do, but whatever making a, a Spider-Man movie for Sony is one less Marvel Studios movie that you could make for Disney that Disney would keep 100% of the profits on. So now you have a movie uh, where instead of getting 100% of the profits, Disney is going to be getting 25%, but it's worth it because it's Spider-Man and it will benefit another crossover film uh, that Spider-Man is going to be a part of. So I I really think this is a deal that works out great for both sides. And and I'll talk about the, you know, we will get into the, you know, the short-term benefits of this from a Marvel Studios perspective as well. Uh, when we talk about some of Kevin Feige's comments, but just, you know, from Sony's perspective, it works as far as you said, Paul, like, I don't know who to thank. Uh, I don't know either. Um, I, I do find it interesting that when we look at this stuff, I mean, I think it was a press, uh, it wasn't a press release that went out. I don't know if it went out to everybody, but the trades uh, had, I think Variety had it first, had the joint announcement first, but in the joint announcement, uh, based on what's been shared anyway, uh, Kevin Feige was quoted, and so was Amy Pascal. Uh, Now, of course, Kevin Feige was the representative of Disney slash Marvel Studios. And then you had Amy Pascal, who actually was not the representative of Sony. Remember, Amy Pascal is not a Sony employee. Even her overall deal with Sony, that's gone. She's actually set up at Universal now, but she is still uh, a producer on the Spider-Man franchise. So the person that you would expect to comment on this from Sony would either be Sony Pictures Chairman Tom Rothman or Sony Pictures CEO Tony Vincicara. Mr. Kevin didn't do all the work. Uh, We know that Tom Rothman was part of the meeting because that was in Variety's report, uh, as were uh, Kevin Feige from Marvel Studios and then Walt Disney Studios co-chairs Alan Horn and Alan Bergman. So we know about uh, Tom Rothman from Sony. We don't know about Tony Vincicara, but other high-level executives were there. But uh, no quote in the joint announcement, at least that I saw in any of the trades reporting it, from Rothman or Vincicara. It was actually the chief communications officer for Sony Pictures Entertainment, Robert Lawson, who spoke about it. So it does kind of make me wonder. I mean, if, if Rothman's in the meeting, but then his quote is not in the joint announcement, it makes me wonder if he wanted to give a quote or maybe he didn't want to give a quote because he didn't get his way on this. I, I, I don't really know, and I can only speculate on that. But uh, I, I would just say I found that uh, – I'll just leave it at – I found that very interesting. So I, I don't know who to thank. I don't know who ultimately gave the order for Sony to to get back in here and, and negotiate and, and move into this because I – as far as who won the negotiation, I think they both won, honestly, because I think this benefits both of them. But – the deal does look, uh, in, in terms of the shape of the deal in the financial terms, even if the number's not quite as high as Disney wanted, it's still in the shape of what they wanted, which was the co-financing and profit sharing, as opposed to the small percentage of first dollar gross that Sony was pushing for and, and hoping to that, that was part of the deal originally and that Sony was hoping to continue. So it looks like Sony moved a little bit closer to Disney than Disney moved to Sony. Uh, but either way, the right thing happened, and I, I do think both companies stand to benefit from this. And, of course, we as fans are going to benefit from it. Absolutely. And the thing is, Sony made a really smart decision, not just because we all think that Marvel Studios makes way better movies than they do, but what Kevin Feige says in, in it when he says that he'll have the superpower, the only superpower, to go between two different universes, even though I was 
pounding the table for them to use two different Spider-Man, have a Miles Morales in their universe or whatever. This, to me, is just as smart and just as viable to do that or just, you know, as an option. Yeah. You just use yeah, Tom Holland in the, both uh, universes. Yeah, let me do – let's read – I'll read the entire Kevin Feige quote and then we'll, we'll get into this uh, MCU, okay. SUMC stuff. So here's what Feige said in the announcement. Quote, I am thrilled that Spidey's journey in the MCU will continue – and I and all of us at Marvel Studios are very excited that we get to keep working on it. Spider-Man is a powerful icon and hero whose story crosses all ages and audiences around the globe. He also happens to be the only hero with the superpower to cross cinematic universes. So as Sony continues to develop their own Spideyverse, you never know what surprises the future might hold, end quote. With all that being said, I was I was shocked a little bit because... Oh man! You, you well, I mean, well, the, the, the captain, was, the captain of saying nothing, said a whole lot right there. I know, and the, when, so when I read that, I had to really kind of go back and read it a couple of times because I didn't believe what I read. The yeah. fact I almost feel like that was a also a point of contention, perhaps that Disney or I should say Kevin Feige, Marvel, they kind of gave in to Sony a little bit. If they, because here's the thing. This is where I think Sony is actually going to really come out on top on this a little bit. And I'm curious how it works. And Now, the mm. power lies with them because they have to do – they have to make the right moves. Marvel can do this – is, this is what's genius about it. So Marvel said, okay, you yep. know what? You can have it, Sony. Yep. We'll, we won't acknowledge your universe, but you can have Tom Holland in your universe. And we're not going to – I'm assuming maybe Kevin will give him notes like he has before in other films. But – yeah. What 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 probably is gonna they probably said was okay Sony you win, you can have your Sony universe and you can have Tom Holland if if, if you and Holland can agree to be all in these different films and whatever, and you can have it that's fine you can try to you can connect it with Spider Man that's fine we're not gonna acknowledge your universe like the Netflix series right for the most part as as we know we're not gonna acknowledge it we're not gonna disknowledge it but potentially but we're not gonna say it's part of our universe mm. you can do what you want with it. And so Sony now has a character, Spider-Man, that keeps blowing up. It's presumably going to make a great third film, and it's going to be another giant tentpole Marvel film. They're not going to let's all agree that Spider-Man is not is not going to be wasted if he only has one more appearance. Again, as of right now, one more appearance. Uh, two. So, or, or you Sp know, you know Spider-Man I mean. like, three and the and the the other film for Disney and Marvel I meant Studios. The other, yeah, yeah, I meant the other film, the, other, the, the guest yeah, appearance, yeah. if you. So if you have that, so now Sony, they're basically Marvel Studios is going to give them more spotlight on Spider-Man mm -hmm. and in, in, to merge into their Sony universe. So now Sony can use that and to their advantage. Now, here's the thing that's on Sony. That's brilliant now that Sony has that power to now interject Tom Holland into Venom 2 and Morbius or whatever. I'm, I don't think it's going to happen in Morbius, but hear me out. Here's what Sony has to do. They have to execute. And I <laughs> yep. just don't know oh, yeah. if it's going to happen. So I the thing the thing with this is Sony now it, it it's it's everything is in their favor. Everything. They have they'll get most of the money for Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man gets to go into a Marvel film. That's presumably going to be probably a giant Avengers film at some point or something like that. A, a big guest appearance because again, Marvel's not going to waste an appearance of Spider-Man. So you really have protected your, your asset. Spider-Man is going to probably be very successful. You're probably going to be making almost a close to a billion dollars in Spider-Man three, mm -hmm. presumably if it's not 
dog crap, which we all know not hasn't happened yet, in my opinion, at all with Spider-Man, with Kevin Feige, so I'm happy. So they just have to make sure when they interject Tom Holland that it makes their universe good and it doesn't taint Marvel's universe because really Marvel's like, you can do what you want. You can taint Tom Holland. We're still going to use him and they're going to probably love him. But if you put him in Venom 2 and it's a complete dog crap movie, no one's going to care. They're going to be like, oh, you're only going to hurt yourself. Marvel's going to be like, okay, you're going to only, you know, we may be only be taking 25, 25% of the profit, but you know what? If you taint your own product, that's on you, not on us. So I feel that they've given Sony all the power. They have, again, they've got some, they got what they wanted was, you know, interject him in the universe, in their universe still. But now Sony can use Tom Holland, but now will they use him for good or for evil? We don't know. So right. I just, I just don't know if they're, I, if, if it was, if I'm a betting man, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle, but I just don't, I just don't, I don't, I don't think that Sony can execute. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there is that thing. I mean, it's, so if we look at what Kevin Feige is saying here, and when I said he's the captain of saying nothing, I mean that as as praise, not an insult to the man. Like, I think he just, we've seen in interviews over the years, he's very skilled at when he's asked questions that we all know he's not going to answer, but he's going to get asked them anyway. At, at, at press junkets, every press interview he does, he's always being asked something about the future of the MCU and the future of Marvel Studios. And he's always very good at giving a very thoughtful answer that doesn't actually reveal anything. Uh, Kevin Feige typically does not reveal any more than he has to when uh, in any sort of official announcements or, or, or quotes or interviews or whatever. So it's very interesting to see him because he knows how this works and he knows that whatever he says is going to be dissected by people like us and elsewhere uh, to think, what is he saying and what does this mean? And, and here's what we think it means and here's how it's all going to go down. He knows all of this stuff happens. So when he says this, and he doesn't have to say this, he could just have the first part of this quote where he's talking about how happy they are to have Spider-Man again. He doesn't have to say anything about Spider-Man, unless that's part of the deal, as Kevin Feige would say something like this, but I, I don't think so. Um, where I, I just It's so strange to see him saying something like this where he's actually talking about the potential of Spider-Man crossing over between cinematic universes and saying, uh, as Sony continues to develop their universe, you never know what the future might hold. So now we're all thinking about connections between the MCU and the SUMC. And depending on how you look at it, you could say, well, this is just a, a thing of where Tom Holland Spider-Man is in the MCU. He's also in the SUMC, but those stories are not connected. But I, I would say that's not really... Effectively, that's not going to be true in terms of how the audience will how the general audience will perceive these things, and they're not going to be aware of every technicality of what universe is what and all of these kinds of things. So when they see Tom Holland Spider Man, and this is part this was actually part of the concern of Tom Holland leaving the MCU is people thinking all these other SUMC movies that he would have presumably been a part of without any sort of uh, real assistance from Marvel Studios. Be worried that if these movies are bad, then by association, it's now damaging the reputation that Marvel Studios has established with the MCU. And so now what we're seeing is potentially a plan where the MCU and the SUMC are effectively connected, but they are not the same universe because now, thanks to Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, at least some of the audience that went and saw it in theaters and, and everybody else who's watching it on Netflix and wishing they saw it in theaters people are kind of hip to this idea of Spider-Man being part of a multiverse. And so you have this Marvel Cinematic Multiverse now where 
the SUMC and the MCU are part of a multiverse. And I mean, it's granted they may not, I don't know how much they would do with that. I, I don't know if, uh, if this means that, you know, what happens here? Does, does Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige, do they, do they use Spider-Man 3 and this, and this last Spider-Man team up appearance, whatever it ends up being, do they use that to, you know, to clean things up and just close the door on Spider-Man and the MCU and wish him, you know, bon voyage as he goes off to the SUMC? Or is he going back and forth between the SU, uh, you know, between the MCU and the SUMC? Is Tom Holland going to be in Venom 2? And then we're going to find out something later about what that actually means. I mean, there are a lot of questions right now. I mean, I know I've seen some people or there's already rumors of people trying to say, um, that this is a one for one deal and it's, it's only short term because this is all, this has all been done so that Marvel studios can, uh, can actually set up an exit for Tom Holland, Spider-Man from no, the MCU no. to the SUMC and no, that's not it. This deal is short term because they've all been short term. And I don't think a final decision has been made because even though Kevin Feige acknowledges the seemingly acknowledges the existence of because he did say the Spidey verse, not the Spider verse. So I'm still thinking he's talking SUMC, not Spider Man into the Spider verse. Although for the record, Tom Holland should totally voice a Peter Parker in the Spider Man into the Spider verse franchise at some point. That should absolutely happen. Uh, but I do think Kevin Feige is referring to the SUMC here. But there's a key part of the statement that cannot be missed, and he says, "As Sony continues to develop their universe." And you never know what surprises might happen. So Sony has to develop this universe. It's not developed yet. It's one damn movie. It's one movie that wasn't very good but made a ton of money. That's it. So as I was saying before, we don't know what's going to happen with Venom 2. We don't know what's going to happen with Morbius. And while there are other things in development, like they're writing a script for Madam Web, okay, uh, they've had other things that they've been developing. It was a Silver Sable and Black Cat movie, and now it's a Silver Sable movie and a Black Cat movie separately. And per, uh, pen, uh, apparently there's a Craven movie being developed at some point, or at least that's another one that we've heard about. So we know Sony has a lot of these things that they're developing, but so far the only things that are solid and happening are Venom 2 and Morbius. So let's say Morbius totally bombs next summer. Well, I mean, even if Venom 2 succeeds, that still doesn't tell you that you have a universe that's ready to go. So if the SUMC is flaming out by the time this deal, you know, this this latest version of the deal is getting ready to come to a close, there is no SUMC for Tom Holland Spider-Man to go to. If, if the SUMC is not flourishing or not looking like it's going to flourish at that point, then there's no other cinematic universe for Tom Holland to cross over into aside from, as I said, an animated form, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So I think when I talk about this thing uh, buying time for Sony, uh, and I, I explained that earlier, but it also buy, it also buys time for Marvel Studios because what Marvel Studios can figure out right now is what's the what are the prospects of being and what are the chances of being able to continue working with Spider-Man and Spider-Man related characters long term all they're guaranteed of right now that we know about and maybe there's more that hasn't been announced that's always a possibility but so far what's been announced about these deals has has ultimately proven to be true in terms of them always being short term so if we say that this is exactly what's been laid out in front of us in these reports then what Marvel Studios has is a couple of years to figure out to see what's happening. And so 
If Marvel Studios sees that Sony is actually succeeding with the SUMC, then they know that their their days of continuing to have Spider-Man are probably numbered. That said, that doesn't mean they need to set up Spider-Man's MCU exit in Spider-Man 3, because I'm guessing that the Spider-Man team-up appearance in the MCU will actually happen last. Because I don't see where Spider-Man... This movie's coming out on July 16th of 2021. I don't see what Marvel Studios movie that comes out before then that Mm Spider-Man is is going to be a part of. He's not going to be in Black Widow. He's not going to be in The Eternals. He's not going to be... I I don't think he's going to be squeezed into Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings because they're getting ready to shoot that. They're not just going to completely change that to to work in Spider-Man. I know people have made the observation about Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness as a place to maybe bring him in. I understand that, but you're only thinking that because of the word multiverse. Like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness has already been in development for a while. I don't think they're just going to radically change that to now bring in Spider-Man, unless it was one of those classic Marvel things where it's like there's a version of this where we have Spider-Man and there's a version of this where we don't. I don't think that's the case. You've already got Scarlet Witch coming over in that movie from WandaVision. So I don't think Spider-Man's in there. And that's it. Those are the movies between now and this third Spider-Man film from Marvel Studios. So... Presumably, Spider-Man's other MCU appearance happens after Spider-Man 3, and that would be the film where you would have to potentially set up Spider-Man's exit. And so with Spider-Man 3, you can pretty much do whatever you want, and you can pay it off in the the team-up film with Spider-Man. So if that's the case, by the time Marvel Studios is getting ready to make this team-up film that Spider-Man is a part of, they will have a very good idea about how willing Sony is going to be uh, to keep working with them on this. They will know whether or not Sony's SUMC, whether or not that's working really well. So maybe they're not going to, they're not going to need Marvel Studios and Disney as much anymore. So they won't want to continue this. uh, They won't want another extension under these current terms, or maybe Marvel will see that the SUMC never really went anywhere and it's it's already dying. And it looks like Sony is going to need to continue working with them. So Marvel will know ahead of time whether or not in Spider-Man's last currently scheduled appearance in the MCU, they will know whether or not they need to button that up or they can to make sure it's not leaving, make sure they're not leaving themselves in a situation like Spider-Man Far From Home where you have a mid-credit scene that's really exciting and everybody can't wait to see what happens next. And yet there's no assurance that Marvel Studios is going to be able to be the ones to tell us what happens next. I don't think they'll put themselves in that position again uh, unless they know that another extension is going to happen. If they don't know that another extension is going to happen and it looks like it might not because the SUMC is working really well, then at that point, you just go ahead and you button up Spider-Man's story in the MCU and then he goes off to the SUMC and that's it. Unless you have some other agreement, and this is the other part where Kevin Feige is saying you never know what surprises may happen, I think there is... I don't know if it's a formal agreement, but maybe there's a there's a handshake, let's see what happens and let's all be optimistic agreement that if the SUMC takes off, that maybe there will be other opportunities for Marvel Studios and Sony to, con- to continue working together. Maybe Spider-Man will jump back and forth between the MCU and the SUMC, and maybe he won't be the only one. Maybe there will be opportunities for Tom Hardy's Venom to jump into the MCU. Maybe there will be opportunities for other characters. Maybe Kraven is the villain in Spider-Man 3, and this actually doesn't require any agreement because Sony could do this anyway. If Marvel Studios makes Kraven the villain of Spider-Man 3, or maybe the agreement is 
he can Craven can be the villain in Spider-Man three, but you can't kill him because we're actually going to use that Craven in our solo film in the SUMC, whether you're participating in it or not. Uh, that would be Sony's position on that if they were relaying that information to Marvel Studios. But there could be a lot of opportunities for crossovers throughout this uh, cinematic multiverse of the MCU and the SUMC. I think Kevin Feige is acknowledging those possibilities in this statement, but he's also but it's all predicated on. Sony continuing to develop their universe, and that means that they have to develop it successfully. It has to still be going. It has to be able to run mm-hmm. uh, by the time uh, this, uh, by the time it comes, uh, by the time uh, it's time to negotiate uh, between Disney slash Marvel Studios and Sony whether or not there will be uh, yet another extension of the Spider-Man sharing agreement. I don't think that there's. I just don't see how Sony can keep going unless. Morbius and Venom 2 do similar numbers to the original Venom movie that that came out. It's either it doesn't have to be exactly more or yeah. I mean, it, I, close, it depends on how much Morbius costs because like Venom was like a hundred million bucks, so I mean, eight hundred million was very profitable for for Venom. But right, if if Morbius only cost half as much, it doesn't have to make eight hundred million. I mean, if you know, then it right. makes, makes four hundred million and it's a okay. But either way, it has to be a hit film that that people like and is profitable. Yeah, and so it's just. It's, it's a lot to ask at this point because, like you said before in another episode, Sean, Sony may have lost some goodwill with a lot of people with the first Venom movie. Yes, Venom was successful, but let's not pretend that people all – yes, there's people who, who did like it. But there's a lot of people who thought it was just eh and not very good or who are a lot of people like me who thought it was hilarious to watch because yeah. in, in an ironic way. So – and China did love it. And I know that's a giant you know, feather in their cap. And I think that that definitely is going to that could potentially keep Sony going. But you know, the, 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 the Asian, uh, the Chinese market, whatever. And that's and that's that's fine. But here's the thing. Morbius, Venom and whatever they create afterwards. I mean, even if Ven- let's just assume Venom 2 is a hit, right? Mm. If Venom 2 is a hit then they need they need more than just venom 2 i think to keep it going venom 2 can you know be moderate be moderate hits and whatever but morbius would need to hit and then if morbius doesn't hit let's let's say venom 2 doesn't and morbius or excuse me venom 2 does and morbius doesn't and w- which is a very po- very likely chance right mm-hmm. that's a that's a high possibility of happening cuz venom already has a a following and whatnot right. morbius jared leto We'll see. I just I don't know if it's going to be a giant hit. So what do they do afterwards? And that to me is where I think the rubber meets the road is that's the deciding factor. Sony has to then I think, in my opinion, if I was a betting man, Venom 2 will be successful. I think just because I think Circus and having Carnage and Venom, it's going to be there's going to be some buzz around it at some point and with everything. But I don't know if Morbius will. I'll be shocked if it is. Assuming that Morbius will be either not a hit or a dud or mm-hmm. whatever, I think that, that it's that next film after Venom 2, which could, I don't it, it's not going to be Venom 3. It has to be something that's going to draw people into right. the Sony universe besides Venom. And again, maybe it's a Spider-Man team-up movie where they put Spider-Man, Venom, and a bunch of other people together. I don't know what exactly they would do, but... And maybe that's what they will do, but it yeah, has to be something even, big and draw even them in. Even that though isn't a, isn't a long term thing because once, exactly once mm-hmm. you've put Spider Man and Venom together, okay, you've done that. Now what? And if those are the only two franchises that you've got, you still don't. You know, I mean, you have Venom. Okay, great, and let's see what happens with that, and and, and if it can avoid diminishing returns. Okay, cool, and let's say that it does. 
And and let's say that Spider-Man would work even without Marvel Studios, and you can team up Spider-Man and Venom. Okay, well, that's two franchises crossing over with each other. Is that the MCU? Is it two franchises crossing over? Nope. It's a lot more than that. So... You know, in order to be a universe, like it's going to have to be more than those two. You need if it's got to be Morbius, or if it's not Morbius, it better be Madam Web that hits. If it's not Madam Web, it better be something else. I mean, it's got to be something. And of course, them hiring writers, uh, the guys who uh, the writers behind Morbius, uh, you know, hiring them to write Madam Web. That doesn't mean Madam Web is happening. They had a script written for Silver and Black. Did that movie get made? Nope. So you know, n- developing a bunch of things is not the same as actually making them. And so there, there's not that much going on with the SUMC. And let's say the SUMC isn't working, but nothing else in the SUMC is working. The only thing that Sony's got working is, is Spider-Man stuff for Marvel Studios. And let's say Venom keeps working. Well, that's where if you're Marvel Studios, and, and if you need to because it gets a deal done, you throw them a bone and you say, tell you what, SUMC didn't work out. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll grandfather Venom into the, into the MCU. We don't love it because that first movie's not great. Hopefully the second movie's a little bit better, um, but we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll help you out. And maybe Kevin Feige, even though Marvel Studios is not going to uh, co-produce uh, Venom or the Venom sequel, maybe he'll give a, a few extra notes on Venom 2 and, and help Venom 2 be a little bit better. And, and so that would make uh, Venom, you know, maybe that's a, a way to to get to earn more goodwill with Sony and, and keep things going from a, a long term perspective. But of course, if the SUMC is is not going to be a long term thing for Sony, and and when I say long term, I mean pretty much like on their own. <laughs> I mean, at some point you have to wonder why they would keep it going and why keep the Spider Man license if they can't do it by themselves long term. At some point it makes more sense to uh well i mean if they don't have the SUMC going then they may they really may end up getting bought and a lot of people think they're going to get bought anyway and then they lose the rights to Spider-Man uh back to Disney and, and Marvel Studios for nothing um but if they can't really make consistent hit Spider-Man based films uh if they can't do that on their own at some point it, it doesn't really make sense to continue co-financing these and and co-producing them with Marvel Studios what actually makes more sense is for Sony to approach Disney and Marvel Studios and say, look, we'll just sell you back the rights. And what we want is X amount. Well, I'll have to figure out what that number is. And it's a very tricky number. Some people say, oh, well, it's $4 billion because that's how much Marvel was and that's how much Star Wars was. No, because when you were getting those things or when Disney was buying those things, they were getting every revenue stream from those things with spider-man disney already owns every revenue stream except the profits from movies that's it it's the only thing they don't have they get the merchandise and everything else so i don't know what that number is but there's a number and then there's also a percentage for sony where they would say look you guarantee us you give us this amount and x percentage and this is what we want for of of all the box office for all future Spider-Man or Spider-Man related movies. This is what we want. And there's got to be a number that makes sense or a set of numbers, you know, a lump sum and a percentage that makes sense for both sides. And maybe that is what eventually has to happen. But all of that's getting way ahead of ourselves here. Like I I still, because, but this is what I see as the alternative is if uh, long-term, if the SUMC is is not going to work out, but if it is, 
clearly there is uh, an openness to the idea of crossovers between the MCU and the SUMC uh, between from the part of Marvel Studios. I mean, Kevin Feige is is effectively giving a little. Uh, conditional approval on connections between the uh, on Spider-Man being the connective tissue between the MCU and the SUMC, and, and it's very interesting for him to be doing that at this point because he totally doesn't unless again unless part of the whole deal was like, hey Kevin, we need you to say this if we're going to make this deal, and he said fine, but I, I doubt it. I think he's saying this because he wants people to be excited about these possibilities. He wants us to know that this is something that could happen at some point to start setting the expectations so we're aware of it. If it happens, we're not completely shocked. Uh, we can be shocked now, not a year or two from now, when we find out that this kind of stuff may happen. And then we'll see uh, what it turns into. But as he also said, to caution everybody, as Sony continues to develop their universe. So let's see how that turns out. You know, it's it's really funny to think about how this kind of reminds me of... Uh when Marvel and DC crossed over in the seventies and, and only because it, they really wanted to benefit each other because they were both trying to promote each other's movies. And I kind of feel that's what Spider-Man is going to be turning into, but it it could turn into if, if Sony makes the right decisions, let's let's pretend that Sony is going to have successful films and both Marvel and the MCU are 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 both doing pretty well. Let's let's assume that Marvel Studios will just dominate still, but Sony's doing okay. They're they're staying afloat. Well, with Spider-Man, you could really again, if Sony was smart, they could really use that like like a Marvel DC crossover in the in the 70s or whatever when it was, and say you know let, let's cross this over. Let's let's have Venom show up and and you take on uh, Captain Marvel or something like that. I mean. It, there is potential with that, I think, if especially if if Sony does well and and Marvel wants to keep using Spider-Man, I feel that there is there's definitely potential there because Marvel Studios is a juggernaut and it's it's going to take a while for that to fall from grace. Let's be real. And I'm not saying they won't make, you know, bad decisions in the future. You know, obviously, with Captain Iron Man being gone, it's going to be interesting how what you know what they use and how they do it. But. I, I don't doubt it at all. I think I think Phase Four looks amazing. So assuming that Marvel Studios keeps the dominance going and Sony just kind of stays afloat, let's say like a, I'm not trying to d- d- just bring down DC here, but let's say it's like a DC, you know, DC and Warner Brothers situation where they've had some hits, they've had some, you know, a couple misses and hey, things like at that. At this but, point, Sony would be lucky to have what what right. Warner had with the DCEU. But even if it like it was a little bit a little less than that, let's say. But still, but but the fact that they could still use Spider-Man and bridge that again, using Spider-Man to bridge that and use the Marvel Universe to have Spider-Man go over there, get people excited, and then he can go over to the Sony Universe, and you're like, oh, okay, he, he's got this too. And then pretty soon people will be like, oh, why hasn't Sony? Why don't these characters, you know, hang out with the Marvel characters? They're all Marvel, and then that's when Sony and Marvel, if Sony's still around and still hasn't been bought out in the rights revert back etc etc and that's again that's where all this comes back to is that you can i think they're trying to see what they can do but i also feel like it's just a studio buying themselves time or trying to make themselves you know as, as profitable as possible but we all know that there is this looming threat of them being bought out mm-hmm. and their their catalog being bought out and then it's all a, a moot point so that's the weird thing about this I, and you ha- i mean granted 
we, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that definitely seems like a rumor that's not going away. And when there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm sure Sony's been people, Amazon and everyone has been asking like, what's it's going to take. I mean, obviously Sony's not going to sell. It's the whole company is not going to sell. People say, well, Apple's going to buy Sony. No, Sony, they wouldn't buy Sony. They just buy the, the entertainment. Yeah, they might. I mean, you think so? Uh, they could. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they, they could, but well, I, don't, well, look, I just don't it's, think. Regardless of whether or not all of Sony gets bought or Sony proper sells Sony Pictures and Sony Television, either way, in either of those scenarios, I believe the Spider-Man rights uh, revert back to Disney and, and Marvel Studios free and clear. But right now, from Sony's perspective, they don't think they're being bought. They think they're going to make it. They are planning on surviving and in their eyes and, and in their hopes thriving in this era of studio consolidation and the streaming wars and all of this stuff, they think they're going to make it. Now, maybe they will, and maybe they won't. But right now, I, I don't think what if we get bought is in their thought process because they don't... I mean, maybe it's in the thought process of some individuals at Sony privately, but I think their mission right now is to to really try and make a go, make a go of this and, and to survive. But if they ever get to a point, because here's... Another reason why Sony may want to sell the rights. If they ever feel like, you know what, we don't think we're going to make it. We do think that maybe somebody's going to make, uh, you know, especially for if you're Sony proper, let's say you're, you're Sony Corp and you're thinking about, you know what, maybe we will need to sell our entertainment division. The SUMC, not working so well. Um, Jumanji was a hit franchise with us for five minutes, and but now it, its time is already over. And we don't have anything else. Men in Black failed when we tried to bring that back. We don't have. We just don't have enough going right now. Uh, maybe we're going to have to get rid of this, and and we need to sell off our entertainment division in order to make as much money as we can from that, and then survive. But before you sell off your entertainment division, that's when you approach Disney about buying the right, about selling the rights back, because it's better to get something from Disney while you still can than to get nothing after you've sold your entertainment division or after your entire company's been bought. So. I think that's another scenario in which uh, the rights revert back to Disney and, and Marvel Studios entirely. But of course, I mean, people always say like, oh, Sony's going to get bought. Apple can buy them already several times over. And that's true. Uh, Apple or maybe Amazon would do it or Netflix would do it. And all of these things are out there. And people have been speculating about this for a long time. But it, throughout all of this, because the idea of Sony proper selling off the entertainment division has been around for years already, and it's and we still haven't seen anything happen. We still haven't seen any serious attempt, uh, and any attempt that's that's happened, you know, that's been big enough to actually make news to where people have actually said, "Here is an actual company that is trying to buy Sony." It's never even reached that point. So. I don't. If Sony is going to get bought by somebody else, I I could absolutely see that happening one day. It probably will happen one day. But is that five years from now? Is that within the next five years or within the next ten years? I couldn't tell you, and and nobody else really can, unless they're part of a company that's about to go swoop in and buy Sony. So, you know, I, maybe Sony being bought doesn't happen until too far into the future to where. Uh, a lot of this stuff doesn't even matter anymore, and there may already be other, you know, other things that have that have taken precedent, whether it's more short-term agreements or or whatever it is. Um, so, I mean, we can speculate wildly about the future, and and we have on this show. Uh, but I, I think the the great thing for now is that that we have something in place that helps out both of these sides, so they can make 
better decisions uh, when it or make better informed decisions when the when the next time comes around to either re up on this deal or you know try and get new terms or just say you know thank you so much for the past several years. We're going to go ahead and we're going to part ways now. Sony, you're going to go this way with the SUMC. Uh, Marvel Studios and Disney, you're going to go this way with the MCU. Uh, and that's it. And they will always have Tom Holland in common, but there's not going to be anything else. Uh, or, or Except for maybe a Craven who's in Spider-Man 3 and, and also in uh, a, an SUMC solo movie. But, um, you know, we, we don't know where it's going to go from here, but at least in the short term, because that's what I was worried about. In the short term, I was very worried about Spider-Man 3. I wanted the Marvel Studios version of what happens next for that mid credit scene. We're getting that, and now we also get to have Spider-Man. What we should do before we move on to the Kevin Feige business is real quick, let's talk about, just briefly, about that crossover thing for Spider-Man, Paul. So, I don't know if this is Avengers 5. I don't know if this is Young Avengers slash Champions 1. And I don't know if this is maybe Spider-Man teaming up with somebody sort of like Thor Ragnarok where you had Hulk in there with Thor. I don't really know what that is for Spider-Man. Any one of those possibilities would be intriguing to me. I lean more towards a a full-on team-up, a a full-on ensemble film, not so much a a Thor Ragnarok scenario where where Spider-Man takes the place of Hulk in somebody else's franchise. Um, But, I mean... I would love to see Spider-Man in a, another full-blown Avengers movie, but we've been dreaming about this idea, and, and we're not the only ones, but a lot of us have been dreaming about this idea of a young Avengers or Champions type of film, and we have more young heroes you know, entering the MCU. We've already got Shuri. We've got Cassie Lang, who's not a superhero yet, but she's available and ready to become stature if, if Marvel Studios wants to go that direction. Uh, Haley Steinfeld looks like she's going to be our Kate Bishop slash Hawkeye uh, via the Disney Plus series. We got a lot of young heroes coming around and more to be introduced. And so it really has me wondering if maybe the next step for Spider-Man is to lead a team, but it's not necessarily leading the Avengers. It's leading some young heroes uh, on a mission, and that would be exciting. And as we uh, speculated about in our uh, our Spider-Man Homecoming commentary track, which we just released exclusively on our Patreon, it's also pretty cool to think about how uh, maybe... Just maybe, uh, if Spider-Man is part of a team-up, maybe it could be his villains that are uh, that are part of a team-up as well that the heroes could be taking on. Uh, maybe instead of Masters of Evil, the Avengers or Young Avengers slash Champions take on the Sinister Six. I mean, we haven't heard. That's way more than we've heard about in terms of who's going to appear in this. We've only heard about Spider-Man appearing in this Disney distributed MCU film. Uh, but if we're at the stage where we're still allowed to dream as, as wildly as we want, uh, there's there are a lot of exciting possibilities here. This is a whole other podcast, and I know we will talk more about yes, this. So yes. I, I, I've got to be very careful. We, we've already gone long on this, and so I'm, I'm, I've already on Twitter. I've, I've already gone on record, kind of saying my piece about it, and I'll just kind of sum it up all right here. I, I, they will. I don't think you'll do a team up movie where it's like him and one other hero. There's no way that's going to happen. You're going to do a Spider-Man team team movie, meaning like you're going to do a Avengers or or Young Avengers. And my money right now is definitely on the Young Avengers because here's the thing. You already have the money in the bank with the Avengers. With, right. With, with whenever, whenever you get that, with, with whether it's Captain Marvel, Black Panther, et cetera, et cetera, you already have the adult version. Now, the reason why I go back to the Young Avengers is because – what I love about and that's a that's a comic I'm, I'm assuming we'll we'll eventually do for the uh, com, the book club, 
and it's it's a phenomenal. It's one of my favorite comic stories in the last 15, 20 years, whatever. It's great. It's it it, it, it bums me out. They did they haven't gone further with it because it's been Alan Heinberg's the the writer's kind of baby and you know whatever. Obviously, Fractions kind of went with uh, Kate Bishop a little bit and and did his uh his thing with her and has a lot of fans with that, but. What I'm going to say was one of the things in the book that I think is really good is that there is a focus on the idea of the legacy of the Avengers and how that affects these characters in the Young Avengers. And I know like we talk about champions and whatnot, and I think it's an emphasis that we need to – it has to be Avengers because one, it's a, it, for me, it's a title – it's a brand, but again, it's the legacy of the Avengers that is the problem. And when it's when you're when when that story comes out, they're facing the legacy of the Avengers and how it affects all of those characters. So to me, Spider-Man being kind of like the last Avenger, if you will, and again, we we got we got it set up in Homecoming, or excuse me, um, Far From Home, that Spider-Man is gonna is pretty much going to be the new Tony Stark of this, the MCU. And to me, it would only make sense because that's what Tony Stark, he kind of funded and did everything in the first Avengers movie. It's kind of all, you know, even though Cap was the leader, Spider-Man or Iron Man was the heart of the Avengers or the uh, kind of the, the, everything was revolved around him, so to speak. Well, well with Spider-Man, even though he's not rich and funding the Avengers, he will be the focal point like Iron Man was in the first Avengers movie. And I think he will be the de facto leader because now, if you use Spider-Man from the from the, let's think of the financial aspect, you're going to use Spider-Man, the most well-known, recognizable superhero working today. And you put him into all these different characters that aren't aren't as big and aren't as recognizable, and you say, "Here you go. This is the new young. This is the new team of heroes." You immediately get people's attention. And if let's say hypothetically, Spider-Man is pulled out last minute, you used him for a great resource to have to promote these new characters because i'm assuming there'll be some characters we already know like the kate bishop from the hawkeye series that's coming out i'm assuming miss marvel a stature etc cetera, etc cetera. but there's mm -hmm. probably going to be other characters they're going to have too and they're going to try to build this new brand of young avengers or champions i prefer young avengers because again i think you focus the movie on there's no avengers team right now and that they're going to fill in the gaps and they're not going to be as powerful and as and i think as significant in a sense to where they'll be able to take the universe you know problems on and that's where i think because what will happen is they something will happen with them in the future and then the real avengers meaning like the black panthers and the captain marvels and the other she hulks and things like that that's when they'll have to step up and then help them out and, and reform because i think there's going to be a hesitancy to form the avengers after iron man and captain america have died or excuse me iron man has died and captain america is now well, older and retired I, mean, I think there's still going to be an avengers squad but well, for sure here's the part that that makes me lean a little more towards it. And look, it could totally be Avengers. Fine. Uh, I'm, it, it's totally there as a possibility. But another thing to think about uh, along the same lines that, that you brought up, Paul, about young Avengers slash champions. I lean more champions because young Avengers, it's a little on the nose. I know it's a great comic book title and a great comic book, and that's wonderful. But I, I think part of the reason why they would have, uh, I could see them adopting a different name is, is similar to what they did in the comic books. It was, we want to have, we're not the Avengers and we don't necessarily, we have our own identity and we should, and that should be, you know, our name, our team name should be a reflection of that. We have our own team name. And if we're looking at Spider-Man in Spider-Man Far From Home, what's one of the last bits in that movie is, is Happy Hogan on the plane with Peter Parker saying like, you're not Iron Man. Tony Stark wasn't Iron Man. So, 
if you go along this way, I mean, now, of course, that doesn't mean that, that Peter Parker can't continue to be an Avenger. He still can be, of course. But if we're talking about this thing of in Spider-Man Far From Home, and it will probably continue a little bit in, in Spider-Man 3. Granted, he'll have a lot of other things to deal with, too. But if it's if this we're tracking this of, of Peter Parker becoming more independent, more of his own person, more of a, having more of his own identity as a superhero then we're seeing that on an individual sense of I'm not Iron Man, I'm Spider-Man. Maybe that also carries over into a team dynamic. I'm not one of the Avengers or I'm not just an Avenger. I'm all, you know, I'm also this. I'm also part of this other team. I can now lead a team of my own or be one of the leaders of a completely new team that isn't necessarily the Avengers which I joined uh because I w- I was recruited and then uh, via circumstances, very quickly knighted uh, by Tony Stark. So uh, I definitely feel like there's a lot that's been set up there for uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man to lead a new team, whether they're called... I mean, I don't really care that much if they're called the Young Avengers, the Champions, or something else. The main thing I would love to see in the MCU is a a team of young heroes coming together and establishing yeah. their own identity as a group dealing with problems that maybe the uh, the quote unquote grown-ups aren't dealing with or are overlooking and I would I would absolutely love to see that in the MCU and I would love to see Spider-Man uh, be right there front and center uh, leading that team. Now, that's enough about Spider-Man for this week. Uh, we'll have plenty more to say about Spider-Man in, in the weeks to come for sure, uh, and years to come, as it turns out, thanks to this new deal. Uh, but we got to talk about Kevin Feige, and we got to talk about his future. But before we do that, i got to say thank you very much to Brian Fletcher, Colin Combs, Todd Bartley, Michael Madden, and mm. Risa Flood. They are the latest patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. I mentioned our Patreon at the top of the show. We have a lot of different tiers available that gives exclusive content that's not available anywhere else. So we in our exclusive content is available starting at just a dollar a month. That gets you the Patreon credit scenes where we talk about an additional topic besides what we talked about on the main show. We usually have one of those to go with most of the main episodes that we do. We will have one for this episode for episode 140 because as I as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be talking about Hulu not moving forward with Ghost Rider and what does that mean for Marvel Television. Uh, we also have a weekly Q&A show where I answer questions. And you can listen to the show. That You also get the ability to listen to that show for just a dollar a month. Our next tier starts at $3 a month. And every tier at $3 and above uh, gives you access to our exclusive Discord community. As I mentioned before, we do watch parties. I do office hour sessions where I just jump in and do a voice chat with whoever's around. And we are going to be doing a voice chat session on our Discord, or I will be doing a voice chat session. Paul might be able to chime in, but I will definitely be there uh, throughout the entire Voodoo viewing party for Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, We have other exclusive content. There is a Monday through Friday news show called The Daily Bugle, and that was a really great week last week. We had a lot of stuff, or I had a lot of stuff to talk about. So I spent three of those days breaking down the Marvel chapter in Bob Iger's book because there was a lot of stuff there, Disney CEO Bob Iger. Uh, I broke down all the Marvel news across three episodes of the Daily Bugle last week, then, of course, covered the Ghost Rider and Kevin Feige Star Wars news on Thursday, and then Friday, 
that was where uh, people were able to hear my instant reaction to the the Spider-Man news. So that kind of we have that available. We have our Marvel Unlimited Book Club where we talk about comic books, especially those that may have a connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have quarterly commentary tracks. There's even a monthly open Q&A session where people can ask me questions about non-MCU topics. So we have a lot of stuff going, and all of our audio exclusives, if you, uh, if you sign up on our Patreon, you get a private RSS link that you can use to subscribe via RSS, via a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, so you get all of your Marvel Studios news content the main show and the exclusives. It's all in one spot. You don't have to track down all the different shows across multiple feeds. It's all in one feed for you, uh, for your convenience. So for more information on all of those tiers that we have available, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Now, Paul, let's talk about Kevin Feige. Uh, quickly, let me once again plug the Star Wars podcast that I host with John Beerley called Fandalorians because we talked about this quite a bit over there. Uh, we talked a lot about the Star Wars angle on uh, on the Kevin Feige news on Fandalorians because it's a Star Wars podcast. So we'll probably focus a little bit more on the on the Marvel side of this uh, for this show. But Paul, from a Star mm. Wars perspective, because we tried mm. to do a crossover, we tried to do I know. our own MCU SUMC crossover between I know. Marvels between MSN and uh, Fandalorians. <laughs> so we're gonna we will we'll focus most of our conversation on the Marvel side of this, Paul. But I, I haven't really heard you say much from the Star Wars perspective. So mm. as a Star Wars fan, Paul, we'll get okay, we'll get Star to your Wars. Marvel fan thoughts in a second. But as a Star okay, Wars okay. fan, your thoughts on Kevin Feige. Leaving the future aside, just right now for what we know, developing mm-hmm. a Star Wars movie. I, I think it's awesome because obviously Kevin's a great producer. And what I'm really intrigued by is obviously, in my opinion, if you know my Star Wars podcast and you see me on Twitter, I've been very critical of the Star Wars direction or directionless uh, movies have been and, and the sequel trilogy has been as far as a direction that everyone you know has a has one goal or has one way that you know one ship they've all jumped on and they're going that direction it feels like they're all going in different directions and running into each other and blowing up you know like in those 80s movies where they just run into th- each other and they blow up immediately um that's what i feel like the star wars has turned into and i even though i like a lot what disney has put out I really have only been disappointed one time. That's been the last Jedi and I don't hate the last Jedi. And a lot lot of people think I don't like it. I'd like it. Okay. I just don't love it. Like I love star Wars and those who know me and know I'm a giant star Wars fan. And I'm just as much of a star Wars fan as I am a Marvel fan and comic book fan. So with all that said, I'm very, very excited and very, very intrigued of what exactly Kevin's doing because one thing that I, we know Kevin can do is when he has knowledge and and he knows how to adapt from comics to screen and he knows how to develop a story and what to build towards with a story and knows what to take out and what to leave in, et cetera, et cetera. What, what, I, what I'm getting at is I'm really wondering if this is something that maybe he's going to be adapting like a Knights of Old Republic or something like that where – and I, I'm not saying if he, did, if he did an original story, it would be crap. But I, I feel like right now that's his strength, and I think that that's where I kind of – I look at and see – what exactly is Kevin thinking what he wants to do? That's his strength to me. I mean, look, looking back to the X-Men films when he was an assistant uh, a producer or whatever, and he, it was his idea to get Wolverine's hair, and he knew that that was a, a great detail mm. that fans would like. And, and you know what? It was huge. 
because he looked like Wolverine. It yeah. wasn't just some guy with long hair that looked like, you know, he looked like he was a uh, Danzig from the misfits or whatever, you know? So <laughs> I mean, and honestly, I mean, yeah. very well, it, it could have been very lazy like that, but no, they really did it. He really emphasized. And again, it was his attention to detail. And I'm wondering, or not wondering, but I know Star Wars needs that in a creative force behind it that's making the making all the decisions. And I'm not I'm I'm not here to criticize Kathleen Kennedy because I think she's done a good job for the most part. I think she's made some mistakes for mm-hmm. sure, obviously, but I think she's done a good job. But I think the one problem she's had is she hasn't exactly had a direction, and creating story and directing story isn't exactly her strength. That's why she created the story group in the first place in Star Wars, and obviously. With Marvel, it, she took that inspiration from, directly from Marvel. When 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 Lucasfilm was bought in 2013, she created the story group because that was influenced by Marvel. And then what happened when, as soon as Kevin Feige got away from Perlmutter, goodbye story group from Marvel. It was yeah, the it Marvel was Creative Committee. That was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it was toast. So it really shows you the the kind of differences between between producers. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do it, but it's execution is always what defines these, the outcomes. Right. And it's always subjective. But if you look at from a business standpoint or, or whatever, obviously Kevin is, is not really, he's doesn't slow down. And, And Kathleen has tried to put out as many movies as, as Marvel has, and they've experimented with it and it has, it's been mixed. And even though I love solo, I've got records saying you all messed up not seeing Solo in the theater. It's a fantastic film. But I think that they've figured that out a little bit more now with with Star Wars being on TV. But as far as movies and the, and the profits you can make from being in a, a big blockbuster movie, Kevin is – I'm very intrigued where, where Kevin goes with the story. And I have to think that it's going to be some form of, of adaptation of some, of some kind, of, at least of something where he goes back and says he looks at all his – kind of material that he kind of knows and and loves and he goes this is what we need to do and this is how we're going to do it and he's going to take those elements and kind of mash them all together because that's what his strength is and again and he knows how to plan it and i think that where you take all those things it's gonna i think he's gonna make a good star wars movie i i don't think he's not going to and that's where i stand with all this and i think that the adaptation of what he's gonna do that's what I'm intrigued by. So I, I'm, I can't wait to see this. I hope, honestly, I, I, I've been wanting a, a some kind of Tales of the Jedi, Knights of the Old Republic. We need some kind of old Jedi stories. And I feel right now with Star Wars films, you know, for a while, I, I've gone on record and say, I don't think Ryan Johnson's films are being made. And now I'm now I'm starting to doubt if Benioff and Weiss's movies are going to be made. Um, well, Iger did confirm that the 2022 Star Wars movie is from Benioff and Weiss. But that was a while ago. That's before Game of Thrones even came out, right? Or the uh, little break. I'm trying to remember if that was on. I'm trying to remember which quarterly call that was a part of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was before the finale aired. But I don't. Uh, the decision on Benioff and Weiss, I, I don't think hinges on how people reacted to the final episode or the final season of, of Game of Thrones. I think it comes down to what they already think of what Benioff and Weiss are doing, but. I mean, who knows? Maybe the Kevin Feige project could potentially uh, jump their jump them in line. I mean, I I can't I I won't say that that's not a possibility, but we ha- it has at least been stated publicly that that Benioff that the twenty twenty two slot for Star Wars is intended for a Benioff and Weiss film. Right. So, to me, 
I, I'm starting to doubt where they obviously they, they put their tent pole in in the announcements of every three years I believe it's every three years right a new Star Wars uh, I think it's gonna... every other year because I think they're going back and forth it's Star Wars Avatar Star Wars Avatar that's or something right like that okay for, I apologize yeah. it's three three years of the old the old George Lucas way which is never probably going to happen you're right so with that being said I just think that there's there's going to you know and judging off this. You know, I, I don't know if Kevin ever is, you know, and you brought we talked a lot about this off air or just kind of, you know, me and you, Sean. And yeah, he if he may not be running Lucasfilm, but he's definitely going to he could potentially be running creative for for at least for Star Wars films, potentially. And that's what I think. That's that's where I think ultimately is going to happen. I, I would not be surprised if he has a heavy hand in both Marvel and Star Wars creative content. And, I, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think yeah. he's only proven himself. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, from a Star Wars perspective, I absolutely love this because I love Star Wars and I'm obviously a huge fan of Kevin Feige and the work that he's done in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yeah, he is the guy who made sure that Wolverine's hair was big enough and styled just right in X-Men in, in 2000. Uh, and he was doing that when it was his first producing job as an associate producer. Somebody could have kicked him out of that trailer <laughs> if they wanted to. Although, I mean, they would have needed Laura Schuler Donner's approval because that's who sent Feige to, to work there as an associate producer. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, Kevin Feige has, I mean, he's a brilliant producer. He's the most successful producer of his generation, the best producer of his generation, one of the greatest of all time, just on the strength of the MCU. So his credentials are, I mean, they're pretty much unparalleled, especially within the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years. I mean, we've just never seen anybody really do anything quite like uh, Kevin Feige has done. Uh, there's, there's nobody who's really accomplished anything quite like this uh, ever, really. Uh, but even if you want to say that there's something similar, it, it hasn't been done in a long time in terms of his success rate. And you take all of that and then you add in the point that this guy loves Star Wars. Absolutely loves Star Wars. He is a massive Star Wars fan. I'm sure he's a bigger Star Wars fan than Marvel fan, or at least he was a bigger Star Wars fan than Marvel fan when he first started working on Marvel movies. Star Wars and Back to the Future are the two movie franchises that I've heard Kevin Feige talk about more than any others besides the MCU, but he's working on the MCU and always being asked about it, so that's why he's talking about it. Just from a fan perspective, he obviously has this deep love and passion for Star Wars, and he's also a really smart, creative producer. And so when you factor in his skills with his passion, you combine those two things, I think that results in something very, very special for Star Wars. And as happy as I am for Star Wars, and I talked about this on Fandalorians with John, I'm also just as happy for Kevin Feige, because when, you know, when this guy has given us, as Marvel fans, so much joy... And this massive universe with so many films that we are so passionate about. And now he gets to work on something that was one of his original passions. One of the franchises that, and perhaps the franchise, uh, you know, more than any other, or at least Star Wars predates Back to the Future. I mean, a franchise that inspired him to want to make movies. You know, that it put him on this path to where he was going to want to make movies and, and go to USC film school and then get a job in the business and work his way up. And then, of course, do what he's done with the MCU, which is incredible. And now he gets to go back to one of his original cinematic passions in Star Wars. I love that. That already is a great story, but that's not the, that's the story of Kevin Feige. The story that he's actually going to tell, I think, is going to be great. I have no idea what that is, but 
at this point, Kevin Feige has earned so much trust from me and, and so many other fans based on his track record, and it has been earned. It's not like everybody just decided, ah, oh, Kevin Feige looks like a nice guy. I like his hat, so I trust the guy. No, it's been earned with the actual movies that he's produced, and so I have complete trust that he'll do something really, really great with Star Wars. So I love that. Now, looking at this from a Marvel perspective, obviously Kevin Feige's a, a very busy guy. I mean, one thing we didn't mention, um, although I know you're all capable of counting, so you're aware of it, when we were talking about the Spider-Man stuff, is you put that third Spider-Man film in 2021, and we've now got four Marvel Studios movies in 2021, plus we've got four Disney Plus series, including the animated What If?, what if isn't actually going to be canon? It's going to be more of an anthology thing that's uh, based to not... Well, I mean, it plays with the MCU, but it's not part of the canon. But you've got seven canon entries between Disney Plus and, and now theatrical releases in 2021. And so he's managing a lot of projects at Marvel Studios right now. I think part of the reason they can afford to have a fourth movie in 2021 is 2020 is an atypically light year for Marvel Studios because recently they've been doing three movies a year because of the James Gunn drama be being fired and then eventually being rehired. I mean, that put Guardians 3 on hold, and that's the reason why there are only two movies from Marvel Studios next year instead of uh, instead of three. So because now they will have a Disney Plus series, obviously, with Falcon and Winter Soldier. But because they're not finishing three movies next year, I think that gives them the benefit of having a little more time for Kevin Feige to focus on, obviously, the development, uh, the development of these 2021 and 2022 and beyond projects for Marvel Studios, also the production of these 2021 films, and then having them ready to go in the year 2021. And he also has this time to develop a Star Wars movie. And apparently he's already told a major actor that he has the, a role for them uh, in this movie if it happens. And now, by all accounts, it's, uh, it's happening. But when I look at what Feige is doing at Marvel Studios right now and how Marvel Studios is increasing their output so much uh, between movies and these Disney Plus series, I think that is a preview of Kevin Feige's future at the Walt Disney Company where things are working the way that they are supposed to work. Because we say Kevin Feige, but he's not doing it alone at Marvel Studios. Tony Vincicara, I mean, I don't know if he meant it the right way, but... He is correct in that Kevin didn't do all the work on the Spider-Man movies, and he doesn't do all the work at Marvel Studios. There's Luis D'Esposito. There's Victoria Alonso. There's the Marvel Studios Parliament that has executive producers like Eric Hauserman Carroll, like Nate Moore, like, um, I'm drawing a blank on here, but Trin Tran, who did uh, Endgame and Infinity War. You've got Brad Winderbaum. You've got Steven Broussard. You've got all these people who are working on these Marvel movies. I think Mary Lovanos is another member of that crew. So you have all these people working on these Marvel movies, and they're doing such a great job. They're working on these projects. They're taking the lead on these projects. Kevin Feige is obviously guiding it and helping them along the way. But they've been successful in their jobs too. And I think what's happening now is because they've been successful working under Kevin Feige, he's able to trust them more. And he is trusting them to carry probably a little bit more of the load on, on a day-to-day -day basis for their individual projects. So Kevin Feige is as involved as he's ever been when we look at Marvel Studios across the board. But on each individual project, he might be a little less involved because that's the way math works. I mean, I know I joked that Kevin Feige has a time stone, but he is still limited to 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week, just like the rest of us. And so if he's taking on more stuff, I think that's because he believes that there are people in place 
whom he can trust to carry a little bit more of the load. He still needs to check in. He's still going to be very involved and very hands-on on these projects, but he's going to be a little less, a little less hands-on for each individual project. And that's really important for Kevin Feige because it allows Marvel Studios to increase its output, which is happening. But if we look at the future of the Walt Disney Company and we start looking at Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm and what is Kevin Feige going to do, well, I know a lot of people are speculating that Kathleen Kennedy will retire when her contract is up or maybe she will accept a different position within the Walt Disney Company and then Kevin Feige will just slide over from Marvel Studios to Lucasfilm. While that is a possibility, I don't think that's what's actually going to happen because I don't think that Kevin Feige is going to try and force his way out of Marvel. I don't think he wants to leave Marvel completely behind. And I don't think that Disney wants Kevin Feige to be completely removed from Marvel. There is no question right now that Marvel Studios is the biggest brand of IP that Disney has as it relates to movies and Disney+. Plus. I know you can make arguments about libraries and this and that, but when we're talking about brand new movies and theaters, what's making more money for Disney than anything else? The Marvel movies. And if we look at Disney+, Plus, I know that The Mandalorian is kicking things off on November 12th when Disney+, Plus launches, and I can't wait for that. But at the same time, we have four Star Wars series that have been officially announced for Disney+. Plus. You've got Mandalorian, you've got the Clone Wars revival for the animated series, you've got Obi-Wan, and you've got the Cassian Andor series. But for Marvel Studios, you've got Falcon and Winter Soldier officially announced, you've got WandaVision, Loki, What If, it's animated, but I counted Clone Wars, so I'm counting for Star Wars, so I'm counting What If for Marvel. You've got Hawkeye, oh, and then you've got Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Moon Knight. So you've got eight Marvel Studios series announced for Disney Plus compared to four for Star Wars. So obviously Disney knows that Marvel Studios is very, very important to the present and future of their business. And having Kevin Feige there overseeing that is a very important part of that operation. So I don't think that Disney is going to want uh, Kevin Feige to completely leave Marvel Studios in exchange for Lucasfilm. And as I said, I don't think Kevin Feige would force his way out and say, I don't want to work at Marvel anymore. I just want to do Star Wars movies. Please let me do that or I'm not going to work at the Disney company anymore. I don't think that's going to happen either. So I think the solution to this is for Kevin Feige to get a new job at Disney. And while a lot of people have speculated that Kevin Feige, myself included, we speculated in the past that Kevin Feige would potentially take over Alan Horn's job as the co-chairman and chief creative officer of the Walt Disney Studios. That's Alan Horn's latest title uh, when they also made Alan Bergman the co-chair, uh, co-chairman of Walt Disney Studios earlier this year. Uh, he was previously the, the president of the Walt Disney Studios. So people think Kevin Feige would slide over to Alan Horn's job. The, the thing with that is that if you've followed Kevin Feige and you've heard what he's said before about his job, He's always talked about loving being a producer, and it's very clear. He loves being a producer a lot more than he likes being a studio executive. He still likes being the president of Marvel Studios, but the job that he really loves, his true passion is being the producer of these Marvel Studios movies. And so if he were to take Alan Horn's job as a chairman of the studio and be responsible not only for Marvel Studios, but also Lucasfilm and Disney Live Action and Walt Disney Animation Studios and Pixar and also Fox as a movie studio under Disney. Uh, and that includes Fox Searchlight and all these other things. If, if Kevin Feige were to be responsible, responsible for all of that, 
his time as a producer, as a creative producer, that's going to go down quite a bit, and the you know the balance is going to shift much more toward the his executive responsibilities. And so I don't know that that's really the job that Kevin Feige wants, at least not right now and not anytime soon. I think he would want to still have a job that allows him to be creative, allows him to be a lot more hands-on with films and, and Disney Plus series and all of those things. And so I, I think the natural solution to this is that at some point Kevin Feige is, because there was a similar thing that happened, although, I mean, the output of Marvel Studios is, is so much more, but when Disney bought Pixar, John Lasseter had been running Pixar, to say nothing of John Lasseter personally, just in terms of the organization and his his spot within it. When Disney bought Pixar and John Lasseter had been running it, they also wanted him to work on working for Walt Disney Animation Studios, but they didn't want him to leave Pixar because they valued him in his position at Pixar. So they created a new position. He was the chief creative officer, and he was in charge of Pixar and Walt Disney Animation Studios. I think a similar thing happens with Kevin Feige. Um, as I said, not from a personal standpoint, but from a professional standpoint in terms of a promotion. Kevin Feige, you can say say whatever title you want, whether that's a, a co-chair, uh, you know, maybe he's another co-chairman of the Walt Disney Studios and, and his job is just to oversee Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm or give him whatever title you want. But his duties actually are overseeing Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm. And he can actually do that because what would happen is you would probably promote somebody else at Marvel Studios to be the new president or a co-president alongside Luis D'Esposito. You've got plenty of candidates. As I said, Victoria Alonso, Luis D'Esposito himself, if they just want to shift him from being co-president to president, or you have, uh, but other top candidates that I, I think should definitely be considered. I mean, I think Victoria Alonso would be one of the favorites. And then right alongside her, you've got to look at Nate Moore and Trin Tran as a couple of the other top candidates. I also wouldn't count out someone like Steven Broussard or, or Brand Winterbaum, because they've also been around a, a while overseeing a lot of these projects. Jonathan Schwartz is another person who's been around overseeing a lot of projects. Um, and then with Lucasfilm, either Kathleen Kennedy remains the president of Lucasfilm, reporting to Kevin Feige, or maybe she takes Alan Horn's job, or she takes uh, some other job, or she just retires, because that's been one of the rumors for her as well, uh, that maybe she doesn't want to stick around. Uh, she, I mean, she's going to go... Uh, She's going to satisfy her latest contract extension, but maybe she doesn't want to work uh, beyond that. We'll see what happens with her. But if she leaves, then what could happen is whoever doesn't get, whoever doesn't move into Kevin Feige's role at Marvel Studios, one of those other individuals, one of those candidates could be the president at Lucasfilm. So Marvel Studios still has a president and Lucasfilm still has a president, but they both re uh, report to Kevin Feige. So they handle a little bit more of the hands-on day-to-day stuff, but Kevin Feige is still very hands-on and still overseeing all of these projects, even if he doesn't spend as much time with each individual project. And, um, if this ever comes to fruition, I do have a receipt for this that dates back like a year and a half ago on a Patreon-exclusive show talking about this as a possibility for Feige when people were thinking that maybe he would replace Ka uh, Kathleen Kennedy in the wake of uh, Solo's box office struggles. So this is something that I've seen happening uh, that I've believed would happen for him for a while, and I, I do think we have some early signs of it. I know, uh, of course, all of that, like with the Spider-Man news, is uh, getting ahead of ourselves just a bit. But this is a, a, a future that I could definitely see happening for Kevin Feige. And I do think that I would still be very comfortable with that because I trust him and I trust the people he trusts. So he's clearly already putting a lot of trust in the people that he's been working with at Marvel Studios. And so if he's uh, he feels like they can take on more, 
then I, I trust him when he makes that decision, and I would trust his call. Uh, and in terms of how he uh, how he might reshape Lucasfilm if he were overseeing that studio along with Marvel Studios, and I do think he could handle those uh, handle that job overseeing both of those operations and allow each of them to flourish. Uh, I believe Kevin Feige is is more than capable of doing that. One hundred percent agree. All right. That was a lot. So thanks for anybody who stuck with that. Uh, good for you. Uh, <laughs> and I, I guess, sorry. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for uh, for sticking with us on this. I know this was a longer episode, but we had a lot to talk about yep. uh, with this Spider-Man stuff. And, uh, and you know, frankly, I, I don't think we're done. Uh, but we so we will follow up on these kinds of things uh, in the weeks to come. And we will, of course, continue to watch this Kevin Feige Star Wars project and per, uh, perhaps more than that with a future for Kevin Feige with Lucasfilm and Marvel Studios uh, as time goes on. But that is where we're going to wrap up this episode. We are going to talk about Ghost Rider and Marvel Television a bit in our Patreon credit scene. Uh, so make sure you check, you look out for that, uh, and you can find more information on our tiers at patreon.com slash News. You can also follow us every day on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com, Facebook and Instagram at Marvel Studios News, and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Make sure you're following us in all those places because maybe you'll win a free digital 4K UHD copy of Spider-Man Far From Home. Paul, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please follow my new podcast with a uh, good friend of ours, Chris Clow, at the Comic Binge podcast. That is at Binge Comic. I've had a lot of good... uh, feedback from people and i really appreciate it but um again it's kind of this is more of a passion project for me reading comics dc marvel potentially outside of the the big two and into like more image stuff more independent stuff that's available all the all all the stuff we review will be most of the time be available through these uh streaming subscription comic subscription services so please Check us out. If you're interested in reading comics and getting more involved in comics, check out that podcast because we review comics. And then basically after we're done reviewing, we tell you where to go afterwards to continue your binge reading. So please, please, if you love comic books or you want to get into comic books, this show I think is for you. So again, at Binge Comic, we're on Apple, um, I, or excuse me, iTunes or Apple podcast and the Comic Binge podcast. So please check us out there. And, uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks again. Yep. And you can follow, well, you can check out that Star Wars podcast that I talked about that I host with John Beardley. That's at Fandalorians on Twitter or just look for Fandalorians on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Then if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so at Mr. Sean Gerber. Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 